Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Talking and Chic with the Solomon Sisters. Today we are going to be talking about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, season 10, episode 15 and 16, which is the second to last episode and the finale. I am Ilana. I'm Dina. And I am so excited to get into this episode. Dina, you want to start us off? Yes, I'm, I was so excited about these two episodes because they're finally giving us, you know, some juicy things that we've been missing for the last, I guess, 13 episodes. <laughs> so exciting. And I really, um, I like getting to see, you know, Erica as Roxy Hart. You know, them, Erica saying, you know, they're becoming one. I would have loved to see her, seen her in Chicago. It's one of my favorite shows. But, you know, COVID canceled that. So hopefully next year. But I felt like the beginning of the episode, even though I said it was a good um, two episodes, was a little bit boring. But I did enjoy when... Denise and Garcelle had their talk about Rome and everything, and I thought they were very cute in the moment. I'll take you in the scene. It was a thing. It was right before Thanksgiving. I think it was right after because she said she went to Montana with her family for Thanksgiving. That is factual. You you are right. It was after Thanksgiving, but they both are looking very appropriate in their clothing. We're feeling very festive. And then we're talking about Rome, Teddy. We're talking about Lisa. How did you feel? Um, I honestly, I think my favorite part of the scene was when Garcelle was sort of breaking down how for her, her experience with Rinna after being, you know, around, as they always say, these group of ladies or uh, after working this season of The Housewife has really changed. She called, she said, Lisa was harsher and more relentless. She was more aggressive and harder than her ex- previous experiences with her. And she said that she's always telling people they have to own it. And Garcelle kind of wrapped up my whole feeling towards the season, especially with regards to Lisa Rinna, but sort of the general feeling of the Beverly Hills housewife when she said, I don't always want to own it. It's exhausting owning it all the time. And I thought that's exactly the sort of problem with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's sort of a one trick pony. There's just one thing you're meant to do and that's own it. And like, what happens if your intention was just to let it and you didn't want to purchase? You just wanted like a little brief time with it. You're sort of stuck with it in Beverly Hills, apparently. There's no such thing as renting. No, I agree with you. They do not believe in that. You have to put that deposit down. Mm-hmm. They're expecting it paid full. Or at least mortgage. I do I do agree with you. I read something interesting and I feel like that's why this show is so serious and also why there isn't any other plot lines or anything going on. I read an interview with Brandy where she was saying that, you know, Atlanta, New York, when it comes to the actual show and the storylines, it's not contrived. Like they really are drinking and they are letting like their souls pour out. But that on Beverly Hills, you know, it's all about like them fake drinking, like they're manipulating everything is like they have planned this. These girls are producing this show. And I do think you can see that because we're not getting any information. You know, I myself don't drink as you are familiar with. And I don't because I honestly get a panic attack when I feel like not myself. So when I drink and 
you know, for most people, it's a nice feeling to be a little outside their self, but I actually feel terrible and it makes me just not feel relaxed. So I can understand then why the other housewives, especially given the enormity of having your life sort of faux kind of documented might not want to be loose-lipped and having vino veritas and I will say that this is giving me hope because my dream to one day be a housewife is that much closer because now I can move to Beverly Hills and call up Dorit and say let's go to Encino and head to that Buco de Beppo. And we're there right now in the episode so it's perfect timing you're there we're there and you know Dorit is in her Versace, I believe, or She's was it her Versace Bestina? Yes, or, her or as some people who don't know better say Versace. Very true, very true. In an outfit that I loved each piece just individually, but together I just felt like you know I didn't love it. But oh, that's okay to disagree. I thought she looked fabulous. I did not like that she paired the white button down with the strapless on top. So cool. So, so, so beyond. But then to do it with the skirt as well, I just didn't like it. I thought, no, I would have done it with like a high-waisted like leather pant. You know, it's funny. When I saw the outfit, my first thought was I could see Dina looking really cool in it. <laughs> well, was Dorit and I have very similar style, I feel like. Sometimes like bitch stole my look. But like, you know, I do think I would wear that. I just might wear it a little different, but that's why when I see Dorit, I'm just like, I love everything you own. But we're in her restaurant. We're throwing a baby shower for somebody she doesn't care about and the world doesn't care about. And Kyle shows up. And I thought Kyle was a little shady. She was so shady, Dina. But when she said that, when she keeps saying, I've noticed in the last like two episodes since they've told us about this baby shower, she keeps saying, I was supposed to throw it. And Dorit said we should do it at the restaurant. Almost like, you know, making it very clear she is not like a part of this. And I thought, oh, Kyle, no one wants you a part of this. No, but I also thought when she said that she doesn't feel like she's been transported to Capri, I was like, listen, given what she had to work with, the whole restaurant is like super kitsch and cheesy and she did a beautiful job and bet she went to party city bought out every sort of plastic lemon they've got found some sort of floral vines and i thought she did a good job and i really thought what took away from the room was the baby showery decor and didn't you think it almost looked like a sukkot I felt a little Sukkot vibes, but there is a restaurant, a very famous restaurant in Capri, like the Lemon Restaurant, which right away, Sotin, when she walked in, was like, this looks like the Lemon Restaurant. So it's like, it actually does have Capri vibes, Kyle. You just don't know better because... Goodbye, Kyle. Yeah, like, goodbye, Kyle. I'm so over her. And I honestly did think, like, realistically, I did not believe that the food that would later be served at the baby shower was courtesy of Buco de Beppo. It looked a little too refined for what I believe the menu offers because whilst I've never been there, I did Google the restaurant just to have a sense of it. And, you know, and I know very little of California and the sort of suburbs, but I know from a lot of movies that Encino is not one of the finer and suburbs of Beverly Hills. So I don't think this was normally a place where people might go who are Beverly Hills residents. 
So I thought Dari did a great job. And the people who would be going to this Buco de Beppo location, I felt that this was their Capri. You know what? I agree. And I think you would go there with her maybe on a random night, Alana. So when you join the show, you and Denise, you and Dorit, sorry, can go there. And I'll go to her closet and just read a little and have some fun, you know? I would say I would have rather seen Dorit do a collab with like California closets or perhaps the container store where you could have your closet a Dorit's closet because Ooh, I believe yeah. that is much more on brand for her in her wheelhouse. I think she could have done a lot with that. And I actually think a lot of people would opt for that option. Like, I think that she could have really done something with it. This felt a little off brand. And I wasn't quite sure if it was like a production tie in because they did go to Roma this year so I didn't know if production wanted her to do that more than maybe was in her heart and soul no I could feel you I mean this whole season feels like you know Kyle and Lisa and Teddy you know got with production and or maybe even maybe even Kris Jenner and they all sat down and said what is this season about yeah who are we doing this and more I felt like they more said what can we do to be on the show and not on the show? And they said, well, there's a rumor out there that Brandy and Denise, eh, 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 and if you could just push that out, and Kyle's like, I got you. But what they didn't realize is that Denise is someone who, rather than fighting back, goes all city putty buddy, and he's like, I, I will be like slime. You can't get me. I will not react. I am going into my safety mode curled on the floor and I'm just not going to fight back at all. I'm going to pretend it's not happening. And Kyle, this entire season, has had like confused face because <laughs> she does not know what to do with someone who won't engage in the fight. No, I agree. Kyle, this season, okay, so I, you know how everyone knows who's listened. I was in a deep dive of Beverly Hills watching the whole season. You guys, I caught up. I did catch up. So now I'm on Potomac, which will be very useful in our other podcast. I'm on Potomac. I know. We're doing it together. It's a lot of fun. Separately, but together. I feel you. But, so when I was watching the reunion, I noticed Erica, her mood, her body language. It was almost like she was scared of Kyle. And Kyle and Lisa were both in these lime green dresses or chartreuse. Fabulous chartreuse. Chartreuse. My bad. I always do that but right next to Andy. And I noticed how every time Erica said something, she was either complimenting Kyle, saying she's the queen because Lisa left, and that, yes, Kyle is the queen now. And Kyle was giving this look like, I'm that bitch, you know? Like, bow down, bitches. Yep. And I noticed anytime anyone said anything bad at Kyle, she would, like, defend her in a second. And I thought, this is when it shifted, you know? At this reunion, maybe it was a couple of days before, but alliances were made. So, back in the, you know, Capri room, as we're preparing for the birthday party. But before we leave this room, there was one thing for me, I felt like for all of us, was our Nancy Drew moment, everyone. So I feel like I had it, and then I told you about it. So I, I'll give us credit, but I also am going to take credit. 
Well, you were the one that first discovered this, so everyone who's listened to our podcast knows we've discussed this in past episodes, that the scene before they go to Rome might have been where, sorry, where Kyle, Brandy, and Kim, and Teddy are all talking because Kim somehow came over to give Kyle clothes, which in that in itself is a fake plot line. But when we learn the news about Denise and the threesome and the, and the awful things she's told. So according to the blogs, as we said, this scene was recorded after Rome. So we all have to keep this in mind. If this is true and this scene was recorded after Rome, so much of this show is such a lie. So then in this scene, Kyle says that Kim and Brandy are coming to this party. Dorit doesn't know if this is a good idea, but Kyle says she was invited back in the flashback. So, which is at that moment I just described was filmed after the fact. So even in that moment, she was not invited. But you guys, this is going to come back. Remember this moment. It is true. Because then they f- take us away from the Capriro to Lisa and her daughter having this very, I found, disturbing conversation. I not like it. Because, first of all, disturbing parts of the conversation part one Lisa was in a bandana the whole time and oh I thought that was very bad. How bad that is yeah I didn't care for that also um there was some hat changes on the daughter that were a bit strange you know this is just like a lot but um the Lisa basically like sets up a scene for her daughter to refute the claims almost that Lisa is saying like in defense of Garcelle saying that her daughter's eating disorder was somehow at least partially affected by Lisa Rinna. Which side note, if you guys are all listening and reading Instagram stories right now, we now know that that scene that Bravo cut short because Garcelle was reposted. Garcelle is crying in the extended scene when they're discussing her daughter and saying that she is not saying that Lisa ever caused anything for her daughter, that her own son, Garcelle's son, has an addiction problem. So Lisa would never blame the parent. But it was actually into deeper discussion. So you guys remember, Lisa Renna is a manipulator. She is. And she saw how things were getting cut and she knew how to make sure it got cut that way. But I definitely felt sort of very grossed out by this scene. I didn't think it made Lisa look good because you know that she had to arrange for her daughter to record this scene and kind of say all these things. And then even her daughter in the scene kind of was like, well, there was a point where I did blame you. And obviously, if someone is choosing to harm themselves, there's multiple layers of what's going on. It's not one thing. No one, when they are doing anything that's negative towards themselves, can look at someone and say, well, you did this and you did this, and that's solely the reason. That might have been one contributor to building the blocks of what led to something, but it certainly isn't one thing. And certainly, as someone who has grown up with a very petite mother, you know, obviously, it affects you as a girl. Any girl I know, I've heard this type of language from, you know, when you have a beautiful petite mother who is often also complimented for that around you, it impresses at the very least upon you the maybe value of putting effort into your appearance and caring about the appearance of your weight. But it was disturbing that she sort of set her daughter 
to be like on the show to sort of make her look like not involved. It wasn't even like a scene to make her look like a good parent where her daughter was saying, you did X, Y, Z for me. And this was so important. No, no, no. It was just more like, no, you're not to blame. Like, girl, you're good. And, and like, even at one point she tells her mom, like, you're naturally thin. And her mom's eyes look so excited and sparkly. And I was like, this is to me coming across kind of dark because this girl doesn't believe that she's naturally thin, but she's telling her mom that she is. It's just, it seemed very layered and dark. I didn't care for it. I was very frustrated by this scene. Well, um, I do think she believes she is naturally thin, or at least has said in her Instagram stories that she's comes from a naturally thin family. But I've heard her say in other interviews that the reason she is so thin is because she just doesn't like the taste of food. She doesn't eat that much. She just eats as little as she can. I think she forgot she said things like that in the interview. Anyone who doesn't eat is skinny because you're not eating. Yeah, but I also thought, to me, what I thought was most interesting, at least from that moment, was when Lisa, when her daughter's telling her, you know, I was doing all these bad things and blah, 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 and Lisa's, and then her daughter says to her, you didn't even know. And Lisa says, no, I didn't know any of this was happening. But Lisa said it as if that was like vindication, like that that meant that Lisa had no responsibility. And for me, just as if I was a parent, which I'm not, but hopefully, you know, one day, God willing, I will be. But like in this kind of situation, I don't think that makes you look good as a parent that you don't know that your daughter is doing these like awful things. But I also don't, I think like no matter what as a parent, because you see this even with, I feel like we see this with our Ima and our Abba, like um, when we're in pain, they're in pain. So even if they didn't cause anything, they end up blaming themselves. I've seen it where like they, parents usually do think, and reflect back to themselves and think this is somehow I've caused this. And I find it quite interesting that Lisa with not with like a very like hard kind of hammer hand, like is saying, I have, this is nothing to do with me. I'm almost separate. Like that's your baby. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that she is like very body positive, which is a good thing. But when you have a child that is so, um, insecure about their their or has at least suffered from something that comes from some sort of insecurity like that your body positive energy might even contribute unintentionally and just make be sort of make someone feel like well I don't look like that so I think that Lisa should be actually a little more self-conscious because not in the sense that I think she should. If she feels good about her body, that's a nice thing. But I think she should be more self-conscious to sort of put it out there on the show, these type of conversations with her daughter, because it comes across disingenuous. It comes across very produced. And it also doesn't really make her look as good as she thinks it's making her look. No, I don't think she needed that moment on TV. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Mm-hmm. That's why I was so glad when we got back to the Capri room. Yeah, me too. As soon as we got back to the party, even I was uncomfortable during that scene. Like, so when we go to the party, I was back in it. I felt like, you know, Bravo is now going, exactly, is going where we need to be, which is, is Denise coming to this party? And not surprisingly, she is not. No, she is not. I didn't think she was coming. I like that, you know, Denise seems to know 
exactly what the women are up to because she doesn't show up to so many places because she finds out people she doesn't want to see will be there. And yet when she's in the moment, she always seems so surprised by everything happening. And it's like you're smart enough to know certain things and yet you seem surprised that you're on a show where a huge part of it is calling out people for owning or not owning things so it feels like you, you you should be a little more aware a little less you know deer in the headlights over there Denise but no Denise does not come she does not and I love that Kyle is almost mad at Denise for saying she's sick that she didn't roll or, or that she instead of just saying she didn't want to come but Kyle's mad because Kyle is working with production to try to get a reaction out of Denise and Denise is refusing to play the game. And Kyle's like, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing because Kyle wants to be a Vanderpump. Vanderpump would know how to like, you know, hunt her prey, get it to feel safe and then pounce. And she wouldn't even pounce herself. Why they felt safe is because they're looking at Lisa and then someone comes from the side. Yeah. That's how it's done, Kyle. You need a Camille. You need a Rinna. You need your side person. You're not supposed to be the person attacking. Kyle's like, I just think it's ridiculous that she's not coming. And, you know, she um, isn't being honest. It's like, listen, you just want to be annoyed with this woman. Like, you guys don't like each other. And you have made her your sort of focus this season to try to take down. And she's making it very hard by not playing with you, Kyle. No, I agree. I mean, there were a few moments during this um, dinner that I found, like, very shady. So there were definitely a few moments during this dinner that were, like, for me, very shady moments. But the most shade I felt like was from pink-headed Teddy herself, who came in, waddling in with Kyle. And Kyle, who knows? that they are going in for a party for her is almost laughing as Teddy is making fun of Dorit. And even later when Dur when when Teddy says to Dorit's face that she didn't even want to come and her husband forced her to, and Dorit's response was perfect because she's like, oh, so you really just didn't want to come because you didn't want to support me. And I thought, <laughs> yep, that's true. Why are you having a party for somebody? This is so weird. Everything about the party was weird. Erica showing up in the pink wig was just sort of like, this isn't your moment. Then when they... But I told you, remember with, the, uh, with, with Erica? She does, you guys, you have to watch this. Just like she does a look where she's always looking like royalty, she does pink hair every season. It's quite fun to spot it. I'm not into it. Erica is there in her pink wig. Everyone's like toasting Erica, toasting the Capri room. Like, no one really seems to be there for Teddy's um, baby shower because it's Teddy. No one really cares. But, like, it feels like even that is very shady. And then Garcelle and Rina have their moments about the way Rina always turns any sort of mention of Erica's success about how she did it first 15 years ago and they have that sort of moment and everything and I just sort of felt like this whole party was everyone sort of like was in a mood you know what I mean like everyone was just trying to kind of make this their moment and Dorit obviously doesn't have a relationship with Teddy like that so the only reason Dorit is hosting this baby shower is to tie in her capri room give it as much airtime as possible 
Erica, I feel like, shows up in with her crazy hair, so everyone's paying attention to her. Rena's trying to get the attention like back on her, you know, with her wigs and her kind of looks. And it just sort of feels like no one is really aware of anyone else except for the fact that they are aware that Denise is not showing up. Oh, of course. And even for me, I felt like it was so weird when Brandy shows up and they all act stunned. And Kim is like, is Brandy allowed to be here or calm? That's not even what she says. Kim says, this is when my investigation hat came in. Because they already showed us that Kyle had said to Dorit that Brandy's coming. She was invited. Okay? They gave that us on air. Then... Kim does this weird thing where she asks Kyle like permission like she just happens to be in the neighborhood which is so weird because we know it's in Encino that's really far from where they all live then Brandy does come in and she comes in fully attired for the um for a baby shower with a gift clearly not just having been in the area and she makes this whole announcement at one point about how you know when she was given the directions and told what to wear what the events for and all this stuff she's like we're going for who where what why like she was clearly told to be there at a certain point and this was the setup for the scene and she didn't know that the whole faux setup and clearly neither did Kim Kim thought they were still doing what they did with the fake Rome thing where before they went and she did a fake can Brandy come in she's just outside sort of thing I think she didn't get the memo that that had already happened or would be happening depending on when something occurred so she thought that's what they were doing and it was just like oh 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 Nancy Drew we caught you I felt just like Harriet from the movie Harriet the Spy yes I agree. And I think this was a great moment for you. And I love when Erica turns to Brandy and is like, I asked Denise point blank, is Brandy lying? And she said yes. And like, <laughs> in an way possible. Like Everyone she did crazy voice work this episode when Garcelle called out Rinna and tells her that like she's always trying to take kind of Erica's shine away from her and she's like come on you know me better than that Garcelle <laughs> and it was like like what's up with all the voice work this episode like a lot of kind of the soap opera drama no it seems very weird but then we get to what I guess is like the best part of the episode the juicy part where Brandy pulls out receipts and like what everyone says, they weren't reading the messages. They just saw the pages and pages in her BS interview. And she said that I'm not reading the messages. I'm just looking at pages and pages of conversation. And I was just thinking, do you know how many people I could like name names off my head? But obviously, I don't want them to know that's how I feel about them. Of people that I just have BS conversation, like text mess conversation. Oh, yeah, girl, we should get together. This and that. Hey, darling. Hello, you blah, blah, blah. But like, they're insincere gestures these texts they're just sort of like let's keep up it's almost like the networking game that to me doesn't prove it on the other hand I do actually believe they did have this thing but I don't get why all of this proves that she said what Brandy claimed she said like even 
I, coming from a place that believes that Denise talks shit about everyone, first of all, I don't even think it was such a big deal that she did. But second of all, I don't think having text messages that Brandy selected to show you and didn't like even point, these are the messages where she said this shit about you. Okay, so they talked on, on text and like, hey girl, how are you, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't mean that they like had that conversation. The craziest part, though, of the episode was when Dorit basically is like, well, even with seeing these messages, I don't believe you. And Brandy gets in her face and says, I sucked her. I'm not going to say it. See but... you next. Well, it wasn't her see you next Tuesday. It was her. Oh. See. I don't even know how with another way of saying it. Her C-L-I-T, I guess. Like. It's so disgusting. It's so repulsive that that's how Brandy expresses herself. Like, there has to be a million better ways to say that you, you know, had cunnilingus. You you, you visited her cha-cha and gave it little kisses. Like, you but can say other nicer versions of that, Brandy. You screaming at somebody saying you did that again doesn't prove anything. Like... All this proves is that you're an angry person who can be vulgar. And I just felt like this whole dinner, weird, non-baby shower, baby shower was just so yucky. Well, I mean, like, it was so disgusting that at one point Teddy's friends excused themselves from being there. Like, they didn't even want to be there and witness the whole thing. And it just felt like dirty on the production side in the sense that I feel very much that they, they told Brandy like you're not going to be officially part of this season but if you bring us this information and you make this season like happen and you show up next season you could be back on the show I think that's how they did it and Brandy is hungry for fame for money for you know providing for her children and Brandy is also someone who has no discomfort with really being out there which first of all for beverly hills is very unusual because as you said earlier these women don't even want to take a sip of alcohol because they don't want to like have any of their private stuff come up and i think that she is just willing to go way too far and way too hard to get her check you know and i definitely felt like for me watching the episode it was just uncomfortable and dirty like this doesn't even matter like literally whether you slept with denise is irrelevant you brought this up you brought this into the public eye and somehow this is being like well did she talk shit about the girls and if we know if this is true then it means the other shit is true and it's like you're willing to actually go deep and destroy a marriage a, a child custody like really ripple real things for this kind of faux reality show you don't deserve for people to get behind you and say you they believe you even if you're telling the truth because it's so dark and wrong to me what she's doing no i agree and then i thought it was weird like then they kind of go into the um to like a couple of days or whatever weeks probably days later and we see like Kyle and Lisa talking and Lisa and Kyle seem to be taking this just so much to heart about Denise and that they're confused and that they need to talk to her and Kyle who has looked so shocked like you said this whole season just seems even more in shock and I just felt like 
this is so weird with these women really around Christmas, like, or Hanukkah, beginning together to be talking about such nonsense. Like, it's not even like this is going to kill them. Like, who cares? Lorena at one point says that she feels that, um, I think Kyle first compares Denise to LVP, and then Lisa says she feels that Denise weaponized their friendship to manipulate her. And I was like, this is not something where Denise, like, cheated with one of their husbands and convinced another one to, like, like murder a person and then convince someone else that they did. Like, they're acting like Denise did something really, really heavy and dark and unforgivable. And this entire season has been about, did Denise talk shit about the other women? When we know good and well, every human on this planet, forget just these housewives, talk shit about even their friends. You know, it's just not a plot. And it's so cruel to be willing to take down people's marriage and their lives and their livelihood and, you know, maybe endanger custody, all these really big things just for the idea that she has to own talking shit about them. Now, if it had been me and if I had been in that position, especially given like what they're sort of saying, I probably would have said like, it's none of your business what I do in my private life. But yeah, I did talk shit about you for the exact reason that you would think exactly what you're doing right now. You guys are not my friends. You smile at my face and then you try to create shit in my life. So why wouldn't I talk shit about you? And the whole season would have been done. I agree. But we must get on to episode 16, Denise and Desist. I'm, this was, to me, this episode gave us something. This this whole entire season has been like a bad book. And then the last chapter, you're like, oh, it all came together. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> kind of how I felt. Like, would I recommend anyone read this book that is season 10 of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? No. I'll say it's a skipper. But <laughs> it did have an ending. Was it a good ending? No. But it had an ending. They brought it all together. Kind of. So- for me, I think the the only part of this episode that was interesting were probably the party Dorit was um, throwing, her housewarming party, which was really where the most chunk of the episode was, as well as the ending with Lisa and Denise. So I think we should really like get into the meat of that, because everything else about this episode, I just felt like, okay, not needed. We're just waiting for, you know, the party. Which, right away, Dorit, like always. Amazing. Her Versace dress, which I have, like, the older... And the gold barrette. I died. I was literally like, be still my heart. How beautiful are you, lady? I want that dress. She looks so beautiful. She was just such goals. And I just felt like perfection. As always, you are just... I did like also... In this episode earlier, there was another couple's interview with Dorit and PK, and they were just talking about nonsense about, like, him interrupting her. But I just thought they were so cute. I really like this whole, like, couple's interview thing. They do it on Married to Medicine, and I love it. And I like that they've introduced that into the show. So I was even more excited when we were at Dorit's party and everything because I thought maybe we'd get another PK interview since it was their party. But no, we didn't. But I did like that. I agree. 
I I thought they were re- actually really adorable this episode. Like it was showing us kind of a different side of them, and I thought the way they were like even their little bickering, it was quite cute. Actually, but- I thought this whole season we got that from them. I felt like this season was the first season we got to see like not so much them being like hi baby and things like that but actually like a little more of their dynamic and I thought they have a very cute dynamic and I was happy to see that yeah no it was really cute but um for me the the part of this episode that I thought was interesting which was on the way to the party was with Garcelle and Michael who I'm so sad in real life they're not together anymore and chocolate Michael I guess was not sweet enough no, but they were so cute in the car, and as they're, like, waiting for Denise, because she's not answering. So this is our first rumbling. Denise is not answering calls nor messages. And we find out she actually earlier had already stood up Garcelle. And it was yes. crazy, because it was so rude. Like, Garcelle had said in her interview that she, Denise had told her that she was feeling vulnerable already. And Garcelle was like, I got you. I got your back. So it's all the worst that she just sort of left her high and dry. I agree. So from this point, we really do have that feeling. Denise is not coming. And that's what I thought. I, I think it was a little more than a feeling when we literally saw her not picking up the phone and not answering to come. No, I agree. And then I also, just taking in all the ladies' different looks, I really did think that Garcelle and Dorit just killed it. Like, just beautiful. I felt like Garcelle was almost doing a modern day um pretty um pretty woman in that when she's wearing the red dress with the um necklace. Like she just looked so beautiful. And then I see Kyle who looks like she should be married to the guy from Adam's family with the hair Tisha Vice that she did again at the reunion. Mm-hmm. Why? Like who I don't know, but doing- I think whoever's doing Kyle's hair is also doing Kim's. Oh, I could see that. But, like, who is, like, I just really feel, I know we've said this in the past, and I'll stop after this, but whoever is styling Kyle, and now I am going to include the hairstylist as well. Kyle, they do not like you. They are not letting good decisions be made. They're not asking Kyle. No. Maybe maybe it's someone from Denise's camp. They're clearly not doing anything for Denise, so they made a fucked over and said, Kyle, we'll do it for free. <laughs> I love it. But for all these all these glam people have heard Kyle for years bitch about glam and they're like, oh, we're coming for you, Kyle. <laughs> it's so true. I think that is what happened. I feel like we've just uncovered another truth. You're welcome, That's everyone. Layer. Yes, of course. But I thought um that it was very interesting seeing the woman react to Denise not coming. Like Dorit just seems so hurt. I mean, there was like to me a very genuine at least it's not she's a great actress moment with Dorit like there were two moments where Dorit this episode I felt like was so clearly maybe taken aback a little bit like when later Brandy shows up she genuinely seems surprised and also in when Denise says she's not coming I felt like Dorit seemed sort of disappointed genuinely I think she thought, you know, they had a friendship, so she would have hoped for, like, more from her. And I think when she's not answering and everything, she was upset. She was worried. Like, she did, She thought she would come. Like, they had spoken earlier in the day, so she thought it was a done deal. I agree. And I think, like, 
Dury and Garcelle, although I did think Garcelle was a little interesting to me. I mean, I bet she was just upset that it was the second time that day that that happened. I would be pissed. Yeah, but the way she was very openly kind of almost like... But I do think, like, if someone twice stands you up and... You know, then Doritos is serving Las Duas, which I would have been happy for an alcohol-free beverage. But I think they needed something a little harder. But they had both. That's what was cool. They had one that was alcohol and one that wasn't. I also love BTW Garcelle's reaction to the food and was like, we need to go to an In-N-Out burger after this. No, but I also love that she recognized the waiter from an earlier episode. And she's like, where are you at, guys? I think she thought he was cute. That's why she remembered him. But also, I was really happy this episode that we saw Faye, we saw Adrian, we got a little flashback with Camille, who seemed to have disappeared from their world again. And it just sort of felt like a little bit this party um, was intending to close out some stories. But it did remind me that I would like very much Faye to join the cast. I think we could lose some dead weight on this cast. Teddy Kyle and Gaina Faye Resnick. No, I agree. I think they need to definitely switch it up. It was nice seeing, you know, the old, our old friends per se. You know, I would have liked to see them more than Brandy as well. But um, I also thought it was really funny when Kyle was like someone which I also watched in, like, one of the after episodes of the show. She says, like, the same exact thing. But she's like, someone told me that Denise and Camille were seen walking together. And then I love that even in the flashback, they're inside a house. There was no way they could have been seen walking together. So someone was production. So I just wish she would have just said production told me that Denise and and Camille. I know, especially because, like, all throughout this season, they've broken the fourth wall a lot. Like, in this episode, I was even surprised how much they showed the way the producer, which they did in Rome as well, was, like, really trying to get Garcelle enraged at one point. And I just felt like, why can't we just say, like, a producer told me that um, Camille and um, De- Denise met for filming? Like, why not? It was probably on a schedule that they were all faxed. Well, no, the 1900s, but they were all emailed. And, like... Honestly, I had some really good times this episode. The Illusionist was magical. When Little Phoenix was yelling at Dorit for for speaking too loud, I felt like, yes, I get you. Like, I was so happy. Like, there were so many joyful moments in this episode that I just didn't need Kyle's negativity. No, I agree. But I thought, like, um, that when, um, you know, Brandy arrives after Garcelle said, like, you know, Denise wasn't going to come because Brandy was going to, like, show up. She was convinced. And then Dorit was, you know, saying she would never invite her. And then right away when she comes. But I don't think Dorit did. I don't think Dorit did. The way Dorit instantly, like, head turned, eyes on Kyle, like, Kyle. And Kyle was like, what? I didn't do that. And it's like, she's coming with your sister. Of course you knew. Of course you set this up. Just like you set it up at the baby shower. You set it up at your house, at which point you filmed, probably after filming rap, just to tie in everything nicely. Like, no way it wasn't Kyle involvement. She's just not good at, at being an LVP kind of queen. But, like, it was, to me, genuine 
surprise on Dorit's face. Like, I don't, like, Dorit said, like, I'm, when she was, when Garcelle asked if she was coming, she's like, I'm not even friends with her. I wouldn't have her at my house. Like, that seemed very genuine. No, I agree. I do think it, I do think she did not know. Because even later in the episode, well, first Brandy and Son talk, and I love how Son, um, like, um, t- tries to tell her to learn not to say, like, mean stuff. And Brandy kind of, is, like, does not take to that. <laughs> I, no thank you on that but then you know when Brandy and Dorit start to talk I do like the way Dorit is being very protective and like saying like you know I didn't know you were coming but I still don't get how Brandy is able to say she wants to have a one-on-one conversation with Denise and that that shouldn't be anyone else's involved when she's the one who got everyone Brandy, when she said that, I actually rewound just because I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Like, the only reason anyone's involved is because of you. So what do you mean you just want to talk to her one-on-one? And it really confused me. Like, what was her intention behind reaching out to her to let her know she was coming to film this party? Because later in the episode, we know that Denise knew Brandy was coming because Brandy told her. Yeah, it's right then that she tells them. She's like, I'm the one that texts Denise. I'm the one that told Why? Like, Kyle must have been so pissed because she's like, no, you stupid girl. Like, you're supposed to come and surprise Denise. Like, you can't let her know ahead of time. Otherwise, we won't capture it on camera. But I wonder if Brandy warned her both times. Like, the more I keep thinking about this, that at the end, I wonder if Brandy was being a bit more, like, playing both sides. Oh, for sure, 100 million percent, because I think Brandy's intention is to come back next season. I think Denise is coming back, and I think that they're going to make next season about resolving this season. And I think this was sort of like a filler season instead of a filler episode, but I think the whole point is to sort of have Brandy come back and maybe resolve this in a way. And I think it'll only be possible for Brandy to do that if she is playing both sides a bit. Well, according to her, she's not even getting paid for any of this. And she's really mad at Bravo. But I don't think she was, I don't think that's the deal she made. I even said this earlier, before I even knew about that article where Brandy said that stuff, I said, I think it was in one of our lives, but I said that I think that the whole thing was like, they made an agreement with her that you, you like let this information out, you put it out there so that Bravo can't like, cause Bravo can't put it out there and they need like Brandy to put it out there. We'll make it the season's plot. We'll do like, kind of take that route. That's what we want to do. And the next season you have a spot. No, I could see that. I mean, she found out also that maybe she won't get that spot next season. That's why she just won't shut up. Yeah, maybe you're right. Like, maybe she was told she'd get to be at the reunion. They didn't let her. But I definitely think, you know, her being at the party and then all the girls kind of doing their toast and again acting like nothing happened. And then I found it so weird that they kept almost then cutting, which, I mean, it was interesting weird, but then cutting kind of the episode, like, showing us, like, they've done this throughout this whole season. Like, they will be fighting, then being like, okay, I love you, and giving each other hugs and acting like nothing's happened. Cut to, like, 15 minutes later or a day later and all of this drama. Well, they did do the cut to 15 minutes later and they show the producer riling up Garcelle. I was so excited. Like, nothing came of it, so I wasn't even quite sure why they even showed it because it was like, I didn't know that they were going to show us that much. Like, there is some 
30 something, maybe 40 or something men out there. And now we know that at least there's two of them whose sole job is to sit there and get in the ear of these insecure women and be like, that woman should have never done that to you. She humiliated you. She hurt you. You should go and tell her how you feel. Like, I couldn't even imagine having that job. Like, like stir the pot is like officially on your like CV. Like, People think the housewives are shady. Like these people's actual CV says like professional shade. I know. It's amazing. I just, I would love to just be in the behind the scenes of all that. I wouldn't want that job, but I'd also feel like I could be good at that job. Yeah, I think you would be. (laughs) I feel like I could let people know how I wouldn't handle it, but how I suggest they might handle it. No, I agree. And then in like the episode when we we jumped to now like a dinner between Garcelle, Lisa, and Dorit. Weirdest bedfellows. Yes. Like didn't really see Lisa there, but then literally the last episode, Garcelle's like, I don't trust Rena anymore, she's shady. Yes, of course. Like it was so weird that the three of them went to dinner, but when they're all kind of giving their spiels about, you know, Denise wrote to Dorit and Garcelle, but, like, didn't reach out to Lisa. And then Lisa lets us know that this is all manipulation, that Denise is going to make them all look like the bad guys. But I did find it, like, interesting, not necessarily new information in the sense of, you know, anyone who follows celebrity and pop culture, I do feel like that's what they all do. Like, they all play the press. They all sort of kind of play the game to make sure that they're shown more sympathetically and I just felt like Lisa seemed genuinely annoyed and surprised that she didn't get like a call from Denise and it's like well you just spent the entire season trying to take this woman down make her look shady never having her back you've not been a friend to her and these two other women have consistently shown that they actually care so explain to me like like I guess Rina you know, why you think you deserve, like, a personal call? I don't know. Lisa and Kyle seem very, you know, this is this is something that is, you know, hurting them deep into their heart and their, their soul, Dina. They, they need to own this pain. They do. And then we feel, we learn that for two weeks, Denise did not film because all of a sudden we see her again. Oh, my God, the black screen when it says, in the following days, Denise sent cease and desist letters to cast and producers and I was like all I heard was like the law and order dun, dun. <laughs> me too <laughs> good too I was like oh my god daily news no but when they show the daily the mail like the news you know from the daily mail like Denise Richards self-filming Real Housewives of Beverly Hills after her passionate month-long affair with Brandy Glanville was exposed by castmates on the trip to Rome and I was like whoa there's not even one alleged in there also, I didn't realize it was a month-long affair. When did they give us that kind of date? Well, according to the Daily Mail, it was months, plural, long affair. But, like, also, it's, like, shouldn't it be, like, alleged affair? Like, we don't actually have confirmation. Like, I did not see, like, No, we know. didn't see penetration. We didn't see any yeah. pictures or, like, sexy pictures. Like, yeah, see. there was no proof. One, there's <laughs> one picture where... where Brandy is giving Denise a kiss on the cheek and everyone's like, ah, proof. But also, like, 
if you're very close with one of your best friends who's a girl, you'll say very girly like things. But I agree with you. It wasn't even like that deep her messages. You do do text messages with girls where you're just like, oh my God, thank you so much, lovely. Hope to see you so soon. We have to meet for drinks. Yeah, let's have, have, let's have drinks. Drink. Busy right now. And then like Brandy even says like she's feeling insecure because they keep making plans and they're not happening. So I'm like, what is this proving? Nothing. But then we see Denise in the car and we're taking it in. Erin is learning she is on her way to talk to Lisa Reno, which we also learned they had a call earlier, which I love that they do these flashbacks when they could have just shown us the call and then had it jump to the scene. But they I needed to be that dramatic. I think the producers were bored. Like, they've got no plot line. At least they've got to kind of create something with editing. And they're like, let's do flashbacks. Make it look more intense. I agree. I agree. Black out the screen and write things, too. And that call did not look like it came well. went well. I mean, when you're watching. But the difference between the call and they were being really attitude and cold with each other. And then when Denise finally arrives, and they're like, ah! you oh my god I was just like That's this great. is the fakest thing yeah and then when they're telling each other they look great and they both look like they came out of a 90s commercial no but one of the things that really upset me about Lisa probably this entire season was how good she looks in her wigs and she's got all these different wigs with names and everything and she looks fantastic and I realized like because in a very Carrie Bacha way I again found myself wondering and I said to myself, like, why would you do this hair that you know is definitely, like, dated? It doesn't look good on you. It's not fresh. And I realized she won't change her haircut because it probably makes her more recognizable. So she knows she doesn't look as good. She has all these weeks so she can look good. But she has to because of that sort of celebrity need to be constantly re recognized and have fans adoring you. She's probably way more often approached with that crazy spiky crazy haircut and then she made us have a final scene with that hair and I'm like listen put roxy on put on one of your girls put on one of those wigs i want to see nice looking lisa she's looks oh, she's beautiful with the, wig. the reunion or even that she did a um, um yeah. housewarming party oh, oh i can't even tell you like even her with a slick back wig ponytail i'm just like aren't you breathtaking yeah, she is, like, a beautiful, she's beautiful. She's lovely, yeah. Just on a side thought, when Dorinda on Housewives sort of does her fake um, thank you, thank you, thank you, mocking people kind of voice when anyone's trying to have a serious conversation with her, I get chills down my spine where I'm almost like, ah. and that's how I felt when Rena said, why are you so angry? But how did Denise not know if she sent the cease and desist, even if it didn't go to Rena, that it wouldn't get around the whole cast? Well, again, somebody, somebody's going to get hurt real bad. Somebody's going to get hurt real bad. That producer was obviously the somebody who told Lisa. But um, for me, when Lisa said that line, honestly, I felt like, because especially because they both, I know, were so famous during the 90s. I think of that very old show, Melrose Place, and because I bet they were both even on it. And I could just see them, like, in that scene, like, yeah, you know, I, finding out. Like, sorry, that finding out, like, that one of them is, like, you know, sleeping with, like, Lisa 
brother was sleeping with Denise and she's confronting her finally. And then she does this like line that was written for her on this show. Cause just the way she even said it, I was like, it's just so, it's not natural. Why would you say that to your friend? You say that when you're really trying to antagonize somebody and like punch yeah. them. But you know what? I really thought Denise, I don't think Lisa Rinna has friends. I think she's a networker. I know people like that. They're really good to you from a distance. And you could even think that they're your friend if you don't see them. Like I know our girl and you know who I'm talking about once I explain. But she is like the most seamless networker I'll ever meet. She's friends with everyone. And when she zeroes in on you, she can make you feel like she just adores you she remembers all these little facts about you she'll compliment you on just the compliment you want to hear and then like she really just sort of uses people as means to like showcase to other people that she knows everyone that she's in it with everyone so she can say oh I know a person who could do this let me introduce you to that person and then kind of use it to social climb she's not like a really good person you know She's a Lisa Renna, which we exactly. so She's a Renna. Yeah, we should call her Renna. From now on, she'll be known as Renna. And I'm so glad you knew exactly who I was talking about just on description when I, I you know, I did that. I know you are. Such a Renna. And so to me, when Denise is acting all surprised, it's like, oh, I thought you were smarter than that. Because when I see a person like this, and I am quite wildly, if you will, I, I've traveled a bit and I've lived in many places and I've, in a Miss Marple quite way, I've observed people and characters. So I, I'm just aware when I see a certain kind of person, I can clock them. And so with my personal Rinna, I clocked her and I was like, it's okay. And I even had people in my life who thought, um, you know, she was more of a substantial person I said oh no 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 she is a Rinna and I feel like Denise only realized on that couch when they were both sitting there and I think Denise's reaction was like she was like line line where's my line because she thought she was like on some sort of soap opera she just looked around confused but Rinna's like I got all the lines right here I'm pointing to my head. Denise seems shocked off her biscuits. Just shocked. Rena seemed like she's like, I could write my own lines. Thank you very much. No, Rena, when Rena says to Denise, you sent the cease and desist letter and like it's calling her out on everything. And just Denise's face of like, who and told she doesn't even deny it. She's just like, who told you? And I would just wanted to be like, can we can we pause? And she can yell, line? She needs a line because she clearly, that that's that's her natural inner workings. Like she honestly thought when she was like, oh, I'm not even going to tell you what I had to do. It's like, you don't think everyone knows? No. I don't know how she didn't know that everyone would know, especially like, just like with retail. It's a small world. It's somebody's like it's a very small world yeah so, like everyone will know but I again I find it so interesting because they'll be having these conversations where you can see they're mad at each other and then at the end they try to end it on a positive almost note like there is kind of hope and then Lisa says in her confessional this is a dead end friendship yeah what she said <laughs> I was like so I guess not but I will say when they were doing the roundup of the season and everyone's um like little mini lines of what's doing with them I really 
felt like it showcased exactly what we've been saying all season, which is how this season did nothing. Like they show Garcelle marching in Black Lives Matter stuff, which is so great and brilliant and really important, but also like nothing to do with her plot. They're like, she's not seeing Michael anymore. And then they show her in the, in the, in the protest. And then they show like, um, Erica and she's like sadly my time here was cut short like the one thing that Erica was happy about and I felt sort of sad for her but like nothing about her private life nothing about her personal life nothing else to be said and they show like you know all the different women in these like nothing you know like uh, what's her name Teddy had her baby you know it's just like obviously she had her baby she was about to pop we saw her go to uh, a baby shower it was like nothing in their roundups they showed Kyle and Teddy like social distance working out it was like you can't follow up Garcelle doing Black Lives Matter protests with Teddy and Kyle working out six feet apart I think it actually even said that Teddy had her baby and also she's still working out I was like, okay, so we've gotten nothing this season, if that's what you're sharing with us. I was so disappointed in this season. But I think the reunion will be good. I'm really excited about it I've, from, like, the little clips I've seen, which it starts this Wednesday, and we are just beyond excited. So um, excited! And we're going to have a very special guest host when we film our podcast or tape our podcast. We're so excited. It's a two guest host, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Surprises coming your way. Yeah, it's going to be discussing it all, but I think it's going to be a very interesting reunion because we know, like, from the promos, Kyle accuses Garcelle of some very shady stuff. Um, Lisa keeps screaming a lot. So, Andy, at one point, we see him scream. So, you know, a lot of stuff is going to go down. I feel like these women like have war rooms to prepare for the reunion where they have all these people around them like I've got the receipts for this and I've got this and here's this quote and clip and blah blah blah. But what I find the most interesting is I see like you know Kyle and Dorit like screaming at each other in one of the promos and then I know that they all except Denise and Garcelle had a party afterwards so were they filming in different rooms so dina they were they were healing they they healed they they were healing they had their their little moments and then they made the choice to no longer be distant socially and whether it happened that they were in the hotel recording separately or not is not the point the point is that Bravo was able to show the people something that they wanted to see, which was social distancing. (laughs) And I I must say that I'm more excited, to be honest, about our guest host, Laryl, than I am about the reunion. Because everything already came out that was interesting. I guess, but I'm going to look at it upbeat and positive. Mm -hmm. But upbeat. But upbeat. And think about some good things. And I'm so excited for our interview that's coming up. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. This is one of my favorite interviews. You guys will enjoy it so much. So just stay with us. And here we go. We were wondering if you can first and foremost tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how your career got started 
Okay, so I am Zoe of ZB Creative, um, and I am from originally Boca Raton. Um, I grew up there, and I also went to college there. Um, as soon as I went to college, I moved to New York City, um, and I spent about seven years there um, working in the industry. Um, I started as a a uh, store merchandiser for Zadig and Voltaire in the retail shops and kind of worked my way into sales um, and the corporate world of fashion. Um, and then, so <laughs> I started working with Zadig and Voltaire. As you know, it's a French brand. Um, I was really working uh, in merchandising and doing like the store displays. Uh, it was a lot of physical work and I wasn't really getting paid that much. So I was really eager to get, um, you know, into corporate and a mutual friend of mine uh, started working with Oral Bar Brown, which as you know, is a very high-end luxury swimwear brand from London. Um, and I was brought in as they were opening their office in the New York um, their New York headquarters, um, and started as a sales, a sales assistant slash I managed the showroom. Um, and that really is how I got started with working with the best retailers and really understanding how the wholesale business worked. Um, I loved every second of it because I was working with Barney's, Bergdorf Goodman, um, Scoop New York, um, the Webster, all of the best stores that we all love, Saks Fifth Avenue. Um, and I really loved that I was able to work with all these luxury retailers. However, um, as you know, there's a lot of um, politics in the fashion world, but I was still with Swim, so it was very relaxed. So I still had the luxury of working with the best people in the business yet we were only selling swimwear so there wasn't so much politics it was pretty chill um, yeah and I really learned so much and from there I I went to Onya which is another luxury swimwear brand and I kind of fell in love with you know the swim resort world and coming from Florida I always loved going to the beach and you know, it really is a niche business and it still is in the fashion world. However, it's like very relaxed and chill and the people kind of working within those brands and, and the buyers for swim, it's, it's very relaxed. So I really loved that part of the business. Um, however, sales just wasn't for me. Um, I, I mean, selling is so great, but I'm more of a visual creative person and this was really um, my foot in the door. Um, and I will never forget my boss, who is one of the owners of Onya, Nathan Romano, um, really taught me everything about sales and how to never give up and keep pushing and, and just push, push, push until you get an answer. And I feel like it was really hard working there at certain points, but I really learned a lot from him and it really pushed me to like never give up. Um, so from there, I realized that sales really wasn't for me. And I went to back to school um, at Parsons to learn more computer graphics um, and tightening up my skills um, with anything digital. So I was learning, you know, Photoshop and InDesign and really understanding those processes. 
Um, and given that I was, that's how ZB Creative started. Um, I was in school part-time and I also needed to work. So I started reaching out to people within the industry and started getting little styling gigs. Um, I was hired to work with Wilhelmina and um, the society and other modeling agencies to get their models with new content. So that's how I really started freelancing on my own and it just kind of evolved from there. Um, and then about two years ago, I had an opportunity um, to come back to Florida to work with Saks Fifth Avenue um, as a marketing manager. I was so excited, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue is one of, you know, the leading retailers um, in the US and Canada. And it was an opportunity for me to leave New York and, and be closer to my family and my, my close friends. And, you know, it was a really great opportunity. So I took it and I moved back to Boca and I was based in the Boca Raton store. Dina, that's how we met actually. And I loved it. Um, and I was a marketing manager uh, working under the director and really managing everything around that store, all in-store experiences, events, and also helping with top clients, itineraries when they were traveling to Paris, Milan, Italy. Um, and it was a really, really great experience. However, the environment was not for me. Um, there was a lot of politics within the store and it just came to a certain point where I didn't really see growth for myself. Um, and I decided to resign from my position. And after that, I kind of really figured that, okay, this is my time to really push ZB Creative and have it evolve into more of a creative consulting agency rather than just styling. Um, so really now I offer many different services um, to cater to specific clients, um, specializing in event production, social media management, content creation, as well as styling. And also I do, this is new, um, but a few months ago I started consulting for a specialty, women's specialty boutique um, based in Brooklyn. And I've been an assistant buyer merchandising, helping with the buys for the upcoming seasons and really understanding the business and working with the top brands and getting the best merchandise in the store. So that's been really fun and exciting. And Amazing. yeah, You're so like that's a little bit of my background. Oh my well, God. I do have a question. Just, I, I mean, I know later we might kind of go into this further, but doing the buying right now for a boutique, it must be very different than it would have been at a different time. How do you feel? Because Dina and I yesterday were taking a walk and discussing sort of the change of seasons and how there were so much predictions that season wear would change. And yet I went on Zada yesterday just looking at their new stuff that they put out. And they had a ton of like faux leather and a ton of their fall kind of pre-fall collection out already. Now, being in Florida, I didn't want to see that. But it also was very interesting to me because I literally the day before read an article in the Business of Fashion about how we're going to really see in the next couple of seasons the shift in what's happened during Corona where production was slowed down and, and shifted. So fall and winter and next summer spring are good we're gonna see like smaller collections and a different kind of um a different kind of development of how they're 
kind of laid out and, and put out to the public. And I just wanted to know if how your kind of experience with that. So as you know, with this pandemic and coronavirus, there's been a shift for everything, you know, the consumer habits, what people are buying, what people are wearing. Um, and coming into this position, I kind of knew, you know, I was brought in to kind of help, help pivot into what the consumer is going to wear every day. I mean, me personally, um, I'm a jeans and a t-shirt sneaker girl. So I feel like having the best basics with a nice handbag and cool shoes, you can never go wrong. I don't know. I say always stick to being safe, going with good denim and, and really high quality t-shirts as well as loungewear. Um, you can't go wrong. I mean, that's all everyone's wearing and people are going to spend the money on the cashmere sweatpants and the tie dye t-shirts, you know, I mean, you can't go wrong. So it's definitely been really challenging. And also there's lack of inventory because of production reasons and because of, you know, people not working or being with the brands, there's been like a lack of communication. Um, but hopefully spring 2021, I, I think we'll see, uh, hopefully some more new designs and trends coming out. But I, I do feel like this is tremendously impacted. And I would say September, October is pretty challenging as far as what merchandise is coming in. Well, I know at least in the luxury in like from the luxury perspective, with all these different brands, I mean, Chanel is probably the only one who is still saying they're going to do all the seasons, but a lot of them are saying they're going seasonless. So yeah. I even how that's gonna affect you know your buying and stuff well, like that I would really like to see I was saying this last night but I really think it should be something where I agree with you basics should be very much um, promoted but I also think that there should be sort of a shift where it's more um, like regional and and less universal so that way they can make smaller production but also more attentive to what's happening so I have a lot of clients who were buying even though it's you know 90 something 100 degrees outside they're buying winter wear this time of year because they know end of September they're going to be going to New York going to Aspen you know traveling and they want those things for when the holiday season comes you know if they're going to New York to be with their family or if they're traveling during their kids breaks so that's not happening as easily anymore because if they take their kids for a week holiday it has to be within driving distance so likely they'll still be in warm weather so I think there's also going to be an extended need for wares that are not you know maybe not enough was produced or maybe now they have a backlog so it'll work but I think when I'm looking at the sales right now also I'm surprised some of this stuff is on sale because that means they have new stuff to put in right with um um ZB creative do you have a team or right now is it is it you or do you have just certain people you network with because your work is so beyond I think like both oh, thank you. talking about it so I work strictly for myself, but as you know, production and some of the things I do, I outsource everything. So I do have specific people that I do reach out to and work with directly um, as far as what the project is, or I'm hired. There, it's, it's funny because a lot of people locally, I'm living in Miami Beach now, so there's a lot of these mini creative agencies that kind of offer the same service, but we all kind of leverage each other and reach out to each other for certain things. So 
you know, photography or editing, um, you know, I have certain people that I reach out to. And also, I still have my contacts from New York. So anything really like a graphic designer, you know, I have a girl, Ava Weiner, who I love dearly. She was my intern. Um, and she's always helped me with graphics, but just really people who I've met along the way in my career, I kind of have always kept in touch with, and they now know that I'm on my own. So depending on certain clients needs or, or what, I'm, what project I'm working on, I'll just outsource it. So it's really just me and then outsourcing for That's certain so things that I need. Daddy. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone really should check out her page. Um, <laughs> it is. I'm always obsessed with what you're doing. I'm sending to Alana, and like, I just think you, you, it really just shows your talent. You speak Thank so you. styling. Really, Thank you. <laughs> well, and you could also see that you've, I mean, as you shared with everyone, you've lived in lots of different places, so you can see the influences of like different cultures and different perspectives really come through, which is really nice. Do you have actually a city that you feel sort of really inspired you more, a place you've lived that has sort of really impacted your work? So I would say New York City is the best city in the world. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be who I am, like where I am and, and, and everything that I learned, um, without living in New York. Uh, I really feel like, you know, growing up in Boca Raton, it really isn't, uh, reality. You know, it's, it's a bubble. It's, it's very sheltered. There isn't so much culture and there's nothing against it. Like I love Boca and I'm so fortunate to be able to grow up there, but I'm also really fortunate that I was able to leave. Um, and I feel like all the experiences and, and hardships in New York, I mean, living in New York City at a young age is, is not easy. I mean, you really have to hustle and network and, and put yourself out there and, and really put yourself to, in uncomfortable situations to, to get to where you want to be. And, you know, you're an aunt there you have to shine you have to stick out and I'm a very um what's the right word to say it um introverted I'm I'm a little shy and introverted and socially awkward sometimes so I feel like it really it really taught me to be true to myself and and to be comfortable in my own skin and you know I was able to express myself with my clothes and my fashion and my sneakers and like no one cares like no one looks at you up and down like everyone is just free and I feel like that really shaped me to be who I am today and everything every, I mean you walk down the street in New York you can walk down the same street you see something different every single day and I feel like forever that will always be an inspiration to me is like the streets of New York um, I love it so much I miss it there's there were certain opportunities for me to go back to New York but I never did. And I'm actually, you know, given everything that's been going on in this world, I've accepted the fact that now I live in Miami and, you know, I'm able to, I'm working with consulting with the store in New York. So hopefully I'll be able to go up there in a few months to visit and see everything. But I don't know. But yeah, I would say New York, LA has its, I love LA. I love LA for the weather and the landscaping. Um, I think the fashion is, it's okay. Um, I feel like it kind of starts in New York and then the clothes just shrink and get smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> and everyone in LA kind of thinks they're a Kardashian, nothing against them, but it's like, they all kind of look the same. Yeah. And um, there's nothing so much inspiring 
I would say about LA, besides the landscaping and the weather, you know, there's Palm Springs and that's so cool. The architecture and the old houses. I love Slim Aaron's as a photographer. So that's my absolute ultimate favorite photographer. Like CZ Guest and Slim Aaron's, I think actually define to me why I want to be like in Palm Beach, like in this area. Yeah. Everything that I kind of visually am inspired of is rooted. I did one of my masters in art and business and I had to pick a kind of contemporary photographer and I did my entire dissertation on Slim Aaron's. I'm yeah. big. He's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Okay. But I so think yeah, definitely New York. New York, New York, New York. Yeah, New York till I, I die. That when you always would come and work, you're, you're one of the people, it was you and Ilana who actually inspired me to start wearing sneakers because oh. I see you every day in like these beautiful dresses and then you would have like the coolest sneakers on I even wanted to get the Balenciaga sneakers you had but everyone told me it didn't work for me <laughs> and like I just thought you you have such cool style and I think you can see all of your different influences and do you think you're very influenced by the different platforms because like TikTok during COVID had such a big kind of moment and I feel it's a little bit evened out especially with Instagram introducing reels but your job is so visually based do you have a platform that you prefer to use um I just want to go back to the wearing sneakers at Saks and thank you <laughs> Thank you for noticing that. And you obviously knew what my roles were. And I was running around that store like a crazy person. But it was the end of the world to the older. It was the I actually got in trouble for wearing sneakers all the time. Like it was I got dress code violation. Well, I got told with my sneakers because you inspired me. So then I got these like I think Adidas sneakers and I was told one day like you cannot wear that. You have to wear a designer pair. So then I just started to buy designer sneakers. But um, I did have a couple of like older sales associates who would tell me like, oh, I would never wear sneakers with a dress, but I told them I would. Yeah. So I felt fine with that, but I thought you like always looked so beautifully <laughs> together and the sneakers were so ahead of it. So, um, but yes, I always thought you looked beautiful Thank and you. I think it's a trend because now everyone does it. <laughs> um, so back to your question about the different platforms influencing my work. Um, so first and foremost, TikTok is amazing. Um, I actually have become super well versed in it. However, I'm not really the best dancer. So <laughs> I typically just send them to my boyfriend and he laughs at me and thinks it's great and that I should continue. But um <laughs> I think it's it's truly amazing how talented some of these kids are and the videos and content that they're making. Um, so I really like learned who all the influencers are, like what the trends are. I know all the songs that are popular. Like I'm pretty like quick to learn, but I've just learned this since quarantine. Like this is a totally new platform for me. Um, and then going into reels for Instagram, I'm absolutely obsessed. I think it's so amazing that we have this feature which is similar to TikTok, but it's all on one platform. So you have your Instagram grid, you have your stories, and then you can have your reels or your Instagram videos or lives. I just think it's so amazing. So, I mean, it's definitely impacted the content creation side. I think you have a little bit more tools to use your creativity and to create better content. Like, I love your videos where you're like the transitions and the outfit changes. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like, 
Yeah, I feel like that's so cool for, you know, like influencers and bloggers like to per- like really display and showcase their different outfits. So I've been loving that trend. Um, I yeah. really like jumping ones where we transition into each other and Dina doesn't like them. Why? <laughs> well, I just, I'm, I'm always looking at numbers. So I'm trying to figure out like what's trending, Dina what's doing. Dina is the brain um, behind the operation for like, sure. <laughs> what is like relating to people. And I'm trying to figure out like what ones are good. But for you, I know you said you use it sometimes for dancing. Do you ever use it for fashion as well? Because we've only used TikTok for that. I, I have never done like a dance or, or sort of the, um, what's it called, voiceovers. So I typically don't like, cause I would say the work that I display is really the work that I do for others. Like not really myself. Like I post outfits of the day or like cool new stuff that I come in or gifts that I get from other brands. However, I'm not so I'm, I'm shy. So I don't like to like put myself out there completely, but I recently did a poll and I noticed that my followers really want to see more of like my everyday life. So I'm trying to kind of share myself to do that so maybe you'll see one soon I just feel like I need a lot of help like I can't do it myself I need someone oh, here to like you yeah. can do a collab yeah, yeah totally <laughs> so what are currently your favorite brands my favorite brands um I would say I am a huge huge J.W. Anderson fan so what he's doing for Lueve and for J.W. Anderson I just I love him so much and I spent a lot of time in London I went abroad there so I feel like that kind of ties back to his take on the culture and kind of how British people uh like express themselves and how they dress um and then you know the Ibiza capsule collection that he does for Lueve was just on fire this summer And they also did this amazing dancing video of these guys who I believe are in Paris. I forgot the names of who they were, but it's like a dance group. No. Um, Talking about the, the, yeah, the crew. It's like a crew, right? Yes. Yes, It's amazing. Yeah. Incredible. And so I, I also, I mean, seeing like a lot of the fashion shows, you know, that are have been like launched like everyone had to do a presentation or a video because no one's doing fashion shows besides Virgil obviously he was able to do his fashion show for Louis Vuitton which was incredible yeah Um, but I would say Steen Goya which is a Denmark-based brand are you familiar with it they're amazing and they're um their video that they just did for their spring summer 21 collection is incredible it's like they incorporate dancing and it's just so cool um I love Ghani I'm definitely a Ghani girl um I love Stav you kind of like what's coming out of the Netherlands right now honestly I feel Gen- like region I should say not specifically just the Netherlands. like Copenhagen and these brands I mean I just feel like they're so cool like they're super relaxed they're different they're you know, they're oversized, they're functional, like you can really wear them, whether you're dressing up or you're dressing down, you're in the mountains, you're in the city, like, I just feel like they're so versatile. Um, What other brands? I made note. Hold on. I know 100% agree. I love the those brands. I, I think that they have like this really great blend of utility and femininity but with and you don't always get those two like paired down where they it has some sort of minimal 
and then also something that's quite maximalistic about it. Yeah, and I also love Prada. I mean, Prada is definitely my all-time favorite luxury brand. I mean. Amazing. They really are. (laughs) They're the best. But I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned both of them, with um, because do you follow Diet Prada? Yeah. So did you see their post about um, J.W. Anderson with Converse or Virgil with Off-White? Like about like how he stole the with Virgil at least off white and other designers claiming Virgil is stealing his whole collection and then with with the Converse thing do you have any like thoughts on all of that? <sighs> Honestly, like I feel like in this world like Dia Prada is super interesting and like I love reading it but sometimes it's just like come on like everyone is slamming each other like. Yes, people are inspired by others and people are directly copying others. I get it. But at the same time, like, I feel like everyone has their different take on it and it's not necessarily always the same. And unless it's geared toward racism or something that's like super, super inappropriate where it like should not like, you know, that whole thing with Marnie and the chains, like, I feel like they need to like chill out a little bit and just stop slamming every single person. I agree. I, I, and quick side note, I know I said off white. I met with Virgil Louis Vuitton. Well, I met Nordic Prince. I yeah. said another. Okay, okay. fine. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I do think that there is a real important place for people like well not people like businesses I should say like Diet Prada because things like the Sheen anti-Semitics yes sort of exactly I feel like it gave a voice to it but I think that sometimes I agree with you like especially with some of the smaller influencer brands where they're just kind of trying to establish themselves everyone is influenced inspired and kind of taking like from we a melting pot. And yeah, then, exactly Daniel Bernstein I mean yeah. not everyone and also it's like we follow them for our entertainment like I I my my best friend and my mentor Mo Hadea who realistically has guided me through my whole career he is the reason um, Onya and Danielle started their partnership. He did this whole blogger trip years ago when the women's Onya brand launched. And that's how they became their partnership with Danielle. And, you know, I've known her, I mean, worked through Onya. I don't know her necessarily personally. I've seen her in the showroom, but I admire what she does. And yes, white like privilege, it. this, that. The girl works hard and she's good at what she does. And so I follow her for inspiration and because I like her, like, I feel like people take things so seriously and like, they're there for our entertainment. Like, well, honestly, I I feel like if you go to her page, you will see us. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that. I was looking at your page and I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Congratulations. I loved her before. I I was obsessed with her. So it was not because she has posted us that we're fans. Like, I've been obsessed with her, and all of a sudden I was at work, and Alana's like, did you see? Did you see? And I was like, she did. Because I was so Big moment for me. But I really feel like, you know. You're right. To me, when I hear influencer, what I really hear is, you know, small business owner, entrepreneur, people who are willing to actually you know, not take a corporate check and chase their dream. I hear what you are we're doing so I take it so offensively when someone's trying to attack them and bring them down especially someone who comes from that same place their business is actually a form of influencing a form of using a platform to kind of create a business out of it so to me it's so like 
a little ooey, but that's why I stopped following Perez Hilton. It just got too ooey. And I think with Diet Prada, there's important stuff that's coming out of it. So I ha I kind of feel obligated also to pay attention because it's actually reporting in an industry that doesn't get a lot of report. Exactly. And also when they slammed um, Ariel Charnas of something maybe for the whole COVID thing, like I felt like I love her you know I went to college with Michaela Michaela is like a best friend of my best friend so I know her and her husband for many years and you know I feel like that's like I can relate to her she's relatable you know and the fact that people took it so seriously and sending death threats to her and her family and her beautiful children it's just like come on like stop following went, well, private so I have been <laughs> Like, she loves like Ariel Sharnas and I love Danielle. Animal, and Danielle is her spirit animal. So you literally hit on with the thing. Like every, like my my husband and my life, like so much of Ariel Sharnas. I don't have children yet, God willing, I will soon. But like, I literally am like, oh my God, I have that. That's me. Like I, I same here. Like it's, it's relatable. They just attacked her on this level that wasn't really reflective. And Teza, who is another blogger, kind of did. Didn't she do the road trip where she went around? the country and how is she got so much less bad press for doing that when she literally traveled across the 50 states to do a kind of blog of their journey during the lockdown and she got maybe like a small blip of negative press whereas you have someone like Ariel who went from one home to another home and you know did her, her best and I believe what she said that she went at night she made sure her doctor said it was okay she did everything the way she was meant to and then she was attacked as if she had literally had COVID but and coughed on everyone Diet Prada does not like her because they that's go what I'm saying they, yeah. they pick out on certain you know successful uh influencers and yes. business women and it's it's just it's not nice no yeah. I agree with you but I'm Speaking, because I, I mean, we were talking about kind of being brave. Did you feel like when you kind of started Z, ZB Creative, like, like what kind of gave you that, that push to really kind of go for it? Because that's so brave, even in itself. I mean, especially so, you'd save money, but especially there's a financial aspect to it too. So yeah. In a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah. So I would say leaving Saks. Um, was the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, you know, I had a good, I was figuring it out finally. And Dina, as you know, the environment is not easy. Um, and, you know, I, I really just felt so sad and miserable every day. And I was just like, I'm too young. The money's going to come. The gift and, and creativity is here. So like, let me explore that. And, you know, I quit. And one of the model um, agents from Walk Collective, Vicky, I worked very closely with her because I used to book models all the time. She started reaching out to me for freelance gigs. And I was like, this is it. Like, let me work this. And it just kind of evolved. And then, you know, as I network and tell people what I'm doing, I'm able with all the skills and experience to kind of cater to the specific client's needs. And Luckily, I was able to save and, and be financially um, stable with, you know, obviously my parents were super supportive of me going on my own and, you know, would help me out here and there if needed. But really, I was just hustling and figuring out ways to have the income coming in regularly. I mean, I wasn't making as much as my corporate job, but I was happy and I was free. 
Like, I think you're gonna inspire a lot of people. I know. I had kind you're of inspiring me. journey in in. I did. I come from a merchandising visual background, and I had sort of a similar thing happen. And COVID kind of helped also because it allowed me to not be at work and see Dina and I have done this sort of as a side project for so long and then we decided we weren't going to let ourselves kind of get bored and crazy it was a reason to get dressed even just to have to make content so we super focused on it during the quarantine time and it just really made me 100% sure that I can't like the difference in my happiness being in a job that might be right for someone else but wasn't that energy wasn't right for me it was too much of a challenge and it was also too much um politics that it was much better to kind of transition i worked for intermix into something where what i'm working is my own thing and i'm building my dream not someone else's bottom line exactly and like honestly like in this day and age with technology at our fingertips like I've been taking classes online with General Assembly. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but I've been taking these free classes throughout quarantine and I've really sharpened my skills. Like I redid my whole website. I wouldn't say I can't take full credit of that, but my really good friend, Kate, like who left her job and is focusing on digital, completely redid my website and she just learned from one class. So I feel like the tools are there. You just have to focus and just concentrate and just really not be afraid. And it's hard. It really is. But I feel like people are doing it. And I look at some people and I see so many people on the internet and I'm inspired and I'm just like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it, you know? So I just feel like it's, we're so, people are just so scared. And honestly, when I was working at Saks in the corporate environment, I didn't have the support. I didn't have people cheering for me besides, you know, the salespeople and people working on the floor, you know, they were my people. But as far as the people I was with day to day, they didn't want to see me succeed. So I was just oh, like, because you were amazing. I mean, they didn't want to see me succeed. Oh. It was, it was, and and that's what it has even till this day has inspired me so much to push myself because I'm just like, okay, this whole pandemic happened. My job doesn't even exist at Saks anymore. So I'm glad. Number one, I'm glad I left when I did, and number two, the amount of work I've done in the past year is just so much more rewarding because I've done it for myself. And because, you know, after seeing all of the work you put into some of these productions and seeing them published or images, like, you're proud of it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that or, you know. I mean, honestly, I think you're speaking our language with this story. I definitely relate to it a lot. And I really do feel that it's such a great motivator to have a situation where you're kind of, away from everything I know for you you'd already established your job but for me kind of the whole kind of being in quarantine I think you said you took classes your friend took classes as well like I really noticed in a way I wasn't looking to notice but some people really took off thrived their entire like person became more enriched whereas a lot of people just sort of like they just lost their like they needed something that was so structured and and offering nothing that same thing that maybe they complained a lot about but they seemed to sort of crumble without it 
And for me, I think for you, you know, for I think creative people generally, it really gave you an opportunity to let your creativity just absolutely soar. Mm. So yeah. what what has been so far the highlight of your career? Um, the highlight of my career, um, I would say recently during Art Basel, um, I was contracted with Original Penguin. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the brand um, to do a special event um, in collaboration with this local artist, Vic Garcia. And I was kind of brought in last minute, two weeks before the event. And I also got to work with my best friend slash mentor, Mo Hidea, um, on this. He brought me in to help because I was living in Miami and their whole New York team was coming down. And just being thrown in kind of last minute with little direction and really pulling together the most epic event and party um, during our Basel with so many well-known faces and influencers was just so much fun and so amazing. And that was really my first like big event for Art Basel um, on my own working for ZB Creative. So I would say for the past year, that was the best um, event that I've thrown. And also um, I worked with BB um, when I was living in New York and, and launched relaunched the brand um, with an amazing campaign, um, which included Jasmine Sanders, Golden Barbie. Um, and I got to work one-on-one -on -one with her and really um, an amazing team of people. This girl, Inka Williams, she's an influencer from Bali. Um, this girl, Harrison, who was in, she was in some series with Jaden Smith. Um, I can't remember the name of it. And also this singer, Pia Mia. Oh, I love Pia Mia. You just yeah. This. this was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like a few years. That was like two, three years ago. But I would say that was like my biggest like campaign that I've worked on. It was global. Um, so it was kind of everywhere. And, you know, on billboards and, you know, the talent was like major. So that was like a huge and I got to work with Emma Summerton, who is one of the most incredible photographers. She's super well known. She shoots for Vogue all the time. Um and that was just amazing. So that, that sounds so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And we got to go to LA and shoot at Chateau Marmont. It was it was very cool. Chateau Marmont is so like I love the it's such a character in it of itself. Yeah. It's really cool. Like LA has its cool old yeah, Hollywood fun. vibes. Yeah, yeah, that I love. In terms of fashion to me, and I've not lived there and I've only gone there very briefly, but to me it just looked like one person is styling the whole city. I think it just felt like when you looked at the fashion, there was just one type of style. And you go to New York in contrast to it, or and literally London. every single person is, is a stylist, at least in their head. And <laughs> You know, it's like such an opposite take. It's so, it's more, London, I mean, we lived there 12 years. It was like so much of our life and that's so much about self-expression and the, you know, and you can be so like dressed up. Fashion. Yeah, it's so posh and like elegant yeah. and, and, and just like, like classy. Yeah. yeah. So then going to some place like LA where it just felt like there was just this one sort of boho kind of ele like kind of chic sort of like. It's a fun weekend. But looking fun. like you're not dressing up and sort of, you know, lots of 
nail like you know what I mean it's like very accessories and yeah. it's that like you just were like okay so I don't know like Rachel Zoe's predecessor or, or you're not <laughs> but you know what I mean like someone who has been in that house of, of fashion has just gone across yeah. the street. they're all dressed in one look yeah uh, hopefully they'll get a switch up but I know you've, you've worked with all these amazing um brands and people but how what would be your dream collaboration um I think working with Nike honestly Ooh, I didn't expect that. Tell us more. So I am like a very, I love fitness. Um, That's one thing that after I left working a corporate job, I I was like, I'm never going to be this unhealthy again. I had no time to do anything. So when I left this job, I was like, I need to take care of myself. Number one, my mental and physical health is number one. So I've been on this fitness journey for about, a year a little over a year and it's just become so important to me and I couldn't imagine life without it anymore and not necessarily like losing the weight or 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 whatever but it's just like feeling good and and feeling good about taking care of yourself but also being fashionable about it you know like one of my favorite things is to wear cute matching workout clothes and taking a selfie in my workout clothes it makes me feel good I look good and it's comfortable and it's cute. Um, so I would say working with Nike and also I love the street culture. I'm, I'm very into the hip hop scene and hip hop music and, you know, sneakers. And I just have always been a Nike girl. So I, I don't know. I feel like Comme des Garcons does amazing collaboration. I mean, everyone does amazing collaborations with Nike, but if I get the opportunity to work with them one day, I think that would be probably my biggest goal even if I they want me to be an ambassador whatever it is we're putting it out to the universe we're coming from a place that yes Nike is obviously going to to do it so they're gonna I just love Nike so much and I also feel like it's so well done and anyone can wear it you know it's catered to all of us it's catered to the everyday person it's not to the fashion girl it's not to the farmer girl like you know what I'm saying like anyone who is taking care of themselves or wants to be healthy and is like going to the gym like they're all like you can wear a Nike and look so good in it I just love it and I love your answer you're a girl after my own heart hip-hop is my soul yeah exactly like I love the culture I'm with it and honestly my boyfriend is has like every sneaker you could imagine. So I just like, I feel like I'm just like prone to it. And same with my brother. Like we've always just loved sneakers and this culture and I love it. So Nike would definitely be- sneaker collection. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I try, I try. Like, uh, I, uh, oh yeah, she should do a yeah, TikTok like a, with like shoes. A TikTok of just all your Nike Of all your cool shoes. If we ever do a TikTok, we'll do it for like with you. Yeah. Your shoes, so you can do it. Yeah, you can use like video leap and cut it. (laughs) Can you tell us about any fun or upcoming projects you have? Um, so I recently was contracted to do a like content um photo shoot for Sincorno tequila which is Michael Jordan's tequila brand um and given COVID and safety um it has been postponed to an undetermined date but 
I'm really excited to this for this opportunity because as it ties back to Michael Jordan and basketball and this whole hype culture, um, I just felt like it really aligned with my brand. So, you know, once things get a little bit better in Miami, I'm hoping that I'll be able to complete the shoot and, and work with these creatives that were involved on the project. So I'm really looking forward to that. In terms of, we talked a lot about your work life what in, and a little bit about exercise, but what do you do to relax? Like what shows are you watching? Like what are you doing to take you time? So I live, um, I live pretty close to the beach and I've been bike riding a lot. I love bike riding. I think that's so fun and seeing all these like little streets and houses on the Venetian islands and just kind of getting familiar with Miami Beach has been so much fun during quarantine. Um, as far as shows goes, I'm really not a TV or shows person until obviously quarantine. It's like really hard for me to pay attention. I'd rather be looking online at clothes or you know, hype culture, hype beast, what's new, what new sneakers are coming out. Um, but I will say, I watched Succession. I know I'm late, but I watched both seasons of Succession, which, show. which is, I mean, I don't want to say it's relatable because I'm definitely not on that level, but like this whole New York culture and marketing and, and the news, like I just was obsessed with it. It was the no, best show I've Alana, I was like, oh my God, my clients, like, I'm, I feel like this show is getting into their mentality of who they are, because this has no, to represent them. Also, like, there's a whole, like, kind of Machiavellian, Macbethian sort of take on family is so kind of perverse and interesting to watch. It's so, I, I literally, I told my husband, because it's his favorite show, and I said, every time I watch this, I feel like Bobby Fisher, you know, the chess player, like wrote out the show. Like, I feel yeah. like everything is a chess move. The best show. It's incredible. And I mean, the scandal and like all the little things going on yeah. within the family. Like, it was just so good. I was like, how was I so late to watching this? It's so good. It's but so I had to good. download all of the music. I think they did an amazing soundtrack. But, you know, I've asked some of my friends who work in sort of very corporate kind of environments like my husband and I have even talked about it. and some of the really crazy things that I thought could never be true he was like no that that does well happen. even one of my clients I had told her to watch it and she told me it hit too close to home and she won't she watched the first episode and said this was her life and she doesn't want to like she said she already lived it yeah so <laughs> I love it I mean I was like I can't wait for the next season I am so excited. I wish, like, third season was already out. Are you watching anything else then with HBO, or is it happening? Um, I May Destroy You, which is based and produced by Michaela Cole, who is a writer. Um, she's the main character as Anna, Annabella, I think her name is. And it's based in London, and it's very intense. I would say if you guys watched Euphoria, there's, like, a lot of uh, – hard subjects involved yeah, but I've watched her in her British shows before and even in the funny shows that she's created they go very like they dark, have dark. so I knew she's so brilliant I mean, yeah she's I, brilliant so yeah. I love her so I've been and watching that I thought oh, she was she's older young? than she was I like assumed in my head she was older than she is and then I looked it up she's in her I, 20s I think she's in her very early 30s and I oh. was like well well, now I feel like such a loser because like, <laughs> she's like, like 10 of the best shows on telly. 
Yeah, yeah, no, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so we have, before we let you go, and we've enjoyed our time with you so much, we have a fun little game we like to play. Um, Call, text, delete. But because you have a love of sneakers, we thought it could be with your kind of sneaker brands. Which one okay. would you call, text, and which brand you would delete? Yes. Um. Okay, so I would call Nike. Of course. About the deal. I about think, the upcoming collaboration. I would call them about the deal to get, yeah. send them the proposal and the yeah. direct contact and who I need to get in contact with. Um, I would. Thank them for the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would text Adidas. Um, I know a direct competitor, but I still love the three stripes, Stan Smith's classic shoe. I mean, you can't go wrong. And then I think I would delete the Balenciaga sneaker. Like, oh my I, God, shock me again. <laughs> I I think, so yeah. I'm so over she it. She looks so cool. You were one of like the first people I saw to wear it. But that's the problem. Now it's like a lot. But what we're answering is how oh, is yeah. that why you would <laughs> I think that I deleted, I would delete them because I don't think I've worn them since working at Saks, to be completely honest. Like, I'm just, I don't know. I just, I just, I, maybe I'm just scarred yeah. <laughs> from wearing them, but I don't know. I get, like, my brother, my brother, like, will forever make fun of me for them. My boyfriend hates them. Like, I just feel like I one and done. Like, I wore them and now I could probably sell them to the real real. I bet everyone would want them. They, yeah. they look they're still, they're so still cool in you. their moments. And I won't lie, like, I was really, like, into them. Not for me, because it's not my style. But I do think they have, like, this place. But then I just, especially, they're so oversaturated, especially with influencers. Exactly. Like, it's, like, and too much. much. And yeah. there's, like, this it girl, cool girl type of influencer style. And much like L.A., they all dress the same way. Exactly. And I just sort of was, like, I can't. Like, I'm not even getting new inspiration with these. And I'm so sick of them now. And so I feel like their moment for me has passed. Having said that, I don't think it's passed. Like, you know, it's trickled down. Like, everyone wants them. So I feel like if it were me and I were you, I wouldn't sell them for that reason. Because I feel like once the emotional like scars feel. Yeah, yeah, and, like, a decade, you'll look back at them and be, like, I'm so glad and they look fresh to death They're and so this cool. is like the second version of them and I want them, you know? Right. So, well, everything comes back. So maybe I will hang on to them. I, I am a hoarder when it comes to fashion. We're actually in my dressing room and I don't know how much you can see in the reflection behind me, but my dressing room is like jam packed. Everyone always says it looks like a retail space and I won't show you any more clearly because it's embarrassing. But <laughs> it's because I'm a fashion hoarder because I'm so sure like, Someone once told me, I think actually I read it in a book, that you're supposed to throw things out if you haven't worn it for a year. And I can't do that because I'm like, well, if this or this or this, like I, I, that could be a re-inspiration. And I constantly am pulling things that I haven't worn in a few years from the, my closet and being like, yes, this is new. It's fresh. So I, I just refuse to let go. <laughs> yeah I'm with you I have so much stuff and I keep telling myself I'm gonna get through it I'm gonna be a minimalist but I feel like for styling purposes too even when I'm doing editorial like I could always use certain things or reuse them or, or photograph them so I have a hard time getting rid of things as well yeah it's I agree. well we'll all work on it together <laughs> 
We'll try our best. Well, we just wanted to thank you so much for being here with us. Before we let you go, can you tell everyone where they can follow you on your social media, your website, so that everyone can follow you, you like the way we do? Um, so my Instagram is zb.creative, and this is probably the best way to see my work and have a better understanding of my aesthetic and what I'm putting out into the universe. Um, and then, you know, my website's on my Instagram page and, you know, feel free to direct message me and that's really the best place you can find me. Oh, great. Amazing. Well, yeah. thank, thank you, you again. So thank you guys. I love what you're doing. Oh, thank, thank you. We had the best time. We love time. what you're doing. So trust us, it's, this is it's a massive compliment Lots for you. Lots of love. Everything you've said to us has kind of made our day. <laughs> thank you so much, guys. You're awesome. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you want to follow us across our platforms, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Stylishly Solomon. Solomon spelled with all O's, S-O-L-O-M-O-N. And also on our Instagram, you can find links in the bio to follow us on Amazon and like to know it and shop our looks and find out our fashion breakdowns. If you like this podcast, Please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. We always love to hear your feedback. We thank you for thinking of us and appreciate your love and support.